0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Now the reason I say it's our DNA now is because since that is who God is and He lives within us, then we do have All the capacity necessary to forgive any injustice done unto us. And yea, I would say if God is merciful and he lives within us, then we also have his capacity to bestow mercy on those people that are around us. So yes, it's easy to forgive when there's that one act of I'm sorry. And then, hopefully we would then count upon him for that moment-by-moment act of having a forgiving spirit with that person should it happen over and over and over again. So it's not just a one-time lesson we learn. It's something that we have to do for a long time, in fact, the rest of our lives, and in fact, sometimes more with some person more than someone else. I put a note here for me. This is for me. I don't know if it'll help you, but I put this for me. Stan, you will never have to forgive Carol more than I've already forgiven you. So give mercy and forgive her. Now, the good news is, my wife is about as perfect as she possibly can be. So it is easy for me to do this. But at the same time, the principle is still there and all the power is found in the Holy Spirit. So you have all the power to do it no matter how bad it's against you. And always remember this. If Jesus on the cross could look at people who put him on the cross that are now betting for his clothes to see who's going to get the best garment of his. And he is up there in excruciating physical pain, which had to bring in his humanness emotional pain. And he could still say to the Father, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Maybe we can draw from from the Lord himself and say, Lord, they are paining me. I don't care how I try to frame it and explain it to them, how long it has been, how much is crushing my spirit. But Lord, you forgive them, for they still don't know the amount of pain that I'm going through right now. They don't know what they're doing in the long run. Father, forgive them. And so you now call upon the Lord through you to do that. And you can. You must. The alternative is consequences beyond our understanding and comprehension if we don't. So, we got our little chart here. Okay, poor to great. So on the poor level maybe you would say I keep a scorecard on the people who hurt me I can give back just about every time they've done something dirty to me or you could put a number 10 there I am very quick to forgive, release, give them a do-over and just kind of let bygones be bygones and move ahead. Now again I can't open up everything because there is a time that you have to have accountability and you need to work forward and hopefully that will happen but initially the foundation is still that we forgive them. So we went from sympathy, then we moved to I'm devoted to them, I'm loyal to them. Then we look at I'm compassionate, I care about them, I'm going to carry their load. To the area that I'll be humble, it's not about me, it's about the Lord. To the area I'm going to bestow mercy on them. And now the sixth one is the word maturity. Maturity. Now I'm going to have to take two sections of scripture and kind of put them together for us to maybe understand a little bit about maturity here and why I selected that word. If you will, look at the verse, verses 10 and 11 actually, and this is found in 1 Peter. It says, for the scriptures say, if you want a happy life in good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and keep your lips from telling lies. That means guard your tongue. Don't speak anything that would be wrong. And then at the same time, do not tell lies. Then it says, turn away from evil and do good. And I put in bold letters here. Work hard at living in peace with others. Now you put all of that together and you put it up against the backdrop of the book of James and James is all about spiritual maturity and it talks a great deal about the use of your mouth. So in your margin you might want to put this phrase down and then we'll kind of open it up for maturity. We need to master our mouth, tame our tongue, rule our reactions and watch our words. Alright we need to muzzle our mouth we might want to say we want to tame our tongue, we want to watch our words, and we want to rule our reactions. Now, when we begin to do that, James says we're mature. First Peter now tells us that it's not only about words, it's also about doing evil, it's also about working hard to have peace. You put all of that together and you have maturity. Now, here's what I see. <clears throat> I see that the more spiritually mature that you become, it seems... The more you grow in your maturity, the more you grow up in your maturity in the Lord, the more that conflicts begin to drop. It seems like if your world is filled with conflicts, it's quite possible that there's a maturity thing going on, or the lack thereof, that's causing it. Now let me make this clear, what I'm not saying. I'm not saying the more mature you are, that you'll eventually have no more conflicts. I'm not saying that. There will always be the potential for conflicts. But you will not be sucked into the whirlwind of, of, of conflicts with almost everywhere you go. The people who they can find and follow a trail of conflict with people, it's generally because there's a maturity issue that's going on. So again, the more we mature in the Lord, our conflicts then take on a little bit different shape we handle them more quickly, we handle them more appropriately, we deal with them when a conflict does come up sometimes we can steer around it so we don't get in that situation, when we do we handle it better so it minimizes and diminishes quicker but the maturity factor is where it's at. So I can give you all the techniques on the conflict here but the real root is are we growing up in the Lord? What's interesting is that our, our, the, how we look with our age facial wise does not necessarily mean that's how we are spiritually in our mature factor and so we have to really grow up in the Lord. Now you have the verse there, so let me see if I can define what I mean in the maturity and using our words. And again, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. When, when you're in a conflict, a lot of times you might need to define, what did you mean by this? Now, stay what I'm saying. What did you mean by this? You have what we call literal meanings of words, and then you have the equivalency or what was intended by those words. So you have the literal meaning, and then you have what the meaning was behind those words. Maybe another way for those of you a little bit older in the Lord and your knowledge of the Bible, there are certain translations of the Bible that are called literal translations. One example of that would be the New King James Version. You have Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, so what they do is they try to translate from the original languages word for word so that you're getting as close to the actual word and what it means, and they call that a literal translation. Those of you that have an NIV version, what they do is they read what that was in the copies of the original manuscripts, great scholars that are great wordsmiths and really have an understanding of the the languages. They then say, this is what the writer intended and many are doing that, many uh, scholars are doing that so they come together with an agreement, this is what it is called an equivalency. So you have King James and then you have the equivalency version. Now some of you are going to ask me, which one is right? they're both right some it's a lot better to have a literal translation other times you have to really get the sense of the passage and what is he really trying to say now don't park on that I want you to park on a bigger principle sometimes in our conflict when we want to really mature it might require us to really be careful of what we say and how we say it to really watch how we're coming across and is that person really understanding what we're saying do you understand what I meant by that what did you think I just said and without marginalizing them down, find out so that you are having a thought for thought. So now you're speaking the truth, what you really believe to be the truth. You're now speaking without any evil. At the same time, you are working hard at providing peace for one another. Look at Proverbs 12:18, in both the translations. One is the literal. Notice how close they are together. One says, the literal one, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. Do you know anybody like that? It just seems like they just had, they had razor blade soup for lunch. Okay, But the tongue of the wise promotes health. I like that. The wise person will use his tongue to add emotional, spiritual health to build that other person up. Health would be to heal or even strengthen that person for the issues of life. That's the King James. Now the NIV says it this way. Not wrong, just says it so we have a deeper understanding. He says, reckless words pierce like a sword. Hmm. Reckless words would be words that we didn't think before we spoke. Reckless words would be words that we didn't care about if that other person understood fully. Or we used inflammatory words around that person. You always, you never. Reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise, again, brings about healing. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, sticks and stones may do what? Break my bones, but words will you know you can really from some simple wounds the black and blue mark will go away in about six weeks but the words that are said that are pierced into the mind and the emotions of another person not only stay there but they generally will cause an emotional infection that will then create a relational infection and bring down that relationship and maybe even cause it to die so to speak not physically and so the words we use ought to be very, very important and very clear. Now, if you will, take a moment, and if you'll look at your little graph there again. Maybe you'll score a lower if you just seem to be the person that you just speak your mind. I don't care. I've got to get it off my chest. I've got to say this. It's on my heart. I don't care. It's got to be said. I can't put it inside of me. You let the words fly like reckless words. Score low. But maybe if you're an 8, 9, or 10, you try to carefully use words that build up the other person. And so you do work hard at that. And once you identify yourself think what your mate or your friend might say of you. How would that be? Have you mastered your mouth? Have you tamed your tongue? Have you ruled your reactions? Have you watched your words and to see where you might be with all of this? Well we are about ready to bring this message to a close. What I did is I wanted to take some words that would be the opposite of those six attitudes. I thought if I would give you the opposite maybe on both sides of this in my pain a more balanced picture. And what I'd like you to do is look at those six negatives on these. I'm not going to preach through them, but you might want to write those negatives next to the words you have in your outline. The first one would be the word apathy. The opposite of sympathy could be apathy. I don't really care. You know, so we're not sympathetic. I'm apathetic. Devotion, the opposite of that would be disloyal. I'm not loyal. I am not committed to that person, to his advancement, his betterment. The next word, compassion, maybe the opposite word would be, I'm very selfish, it's all about me. I'm not going to get dirty, I'm not going to get hurt, I'm not going to suffer with that other person, I'm going to protect myself because it's about me. Selfish could be it. Humility would be the word pride, obviously you would know that, the opposite would be pride. Mercy would be judgment. Be quick for me to put a judgment on that person, right and wrong, and they shouldn't do this, and pretty soon we're already identifying the consequences. And then number six would be the word maturity, and the opposite of that obviously would be immaturity. That we really haven't grown up. We've grown old, but we haven't grown up. And maybe it would be immaturity. Now, we started the message by talking about in creation how that is beautiful when creation is in harmony, and when it's not in harmony, we see great catastrophes in our weather systems. In other places. And then in relationships, when we see that people aren't in harmony with one another, then you have man's inhumanity against man. And all you've got to do is read the newspaper, whether it's one country against another country, or one person ideology against another ideology, you see that there's no harmony and there's great destruction. But the worst part of all of this is when we're not in harmony with the Lord. And God says, I know how you could be in harmony with me, and I'm going to help you do this. So the first thing He says is, to take ownership of the fact that you've blown it, at least in six areas. And so maybe we could humble ourselves and say, I've been apathetic. Maybe we could say, I've been disloyal. Maybe we could say, there have been times I've been selfish. Maybe there's times we could say that I haven't been um, very humble. I've been prideful. Or maybe I've been more judgmental and I've certainly been immature. And Lord, I have broken all the laws. I have hurt you. All of this has come from a bitter heart. And so, Lord, I'm a, I'm a broken individual. Now, God doesn't want you to just live in that wallow of guilt. He says, no, no, that's not, that's not good for you. It's a good start because now what you're saying is, I need help. And so now you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I am a sinner and I want to spend eternity with you and there's disharmony. In fact, you've been my enemy. I wanted you to be my friend, but you've been my enemy and I want to, I want to be on the same page with you. And so the Lord says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to die in your place for you because you are a sinner. And I'm going to take all the things you've ever done wrong, I'm going to transfer them to me, I'm going to pay for them all, and then I'm going to give you my eternal life that I have, who I am, and I'm going to give it to you now. And he says, the only thing you have to do now is to believe that I loved you that much and trust me that that has been done for you 2,000 years ago on the cross and you're receiving it right now. And the moment that happens, God says, I give you a do-over. If you mess up, He says, that's all right. you'll still be in my family, but if you mess up, go ahead and confess up. If you do, you'll be back in harmony again. You'll still be in my family, but I want you to be in harmony in my family. So I hope that might be something for some of you to realize that going to heaven is not by good deeds. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But you have to own up to those sins. And those of you now that are Christians that know you're going to heaven when you die... Maybe there's right now a a situation between a mate, a son or a daughter, a mom or a dad, step-parents, step-kids, step-brothers, step-parents. I don't know. Wherever it might be, is there a broken relationship? Is it on a team or a club? Where could it be that you might need to begin to look at these issues? I have to tell you that um, when you're in a position of leadership and influence, I'm sure that you're going to find yourself stepping on other people's toes and hearts How do I know? Because I guess I'm in a position of influence and I've done that with people too. It breaks my heart when I do. Sometimes I can't get past what I've done, but I really want to get past it. And I want you to know there's nothing better than um, when you are on the right page with another individual, that there's been ownership and forgiveness that's established. I'll tell you, you men have ever gone to work and you're not happy with your wife and you haven't resolved that issue? Isn't it not true when you're at work you just don't have such a good day anymore? If you agree, say, uh-huh. It's a horrible thing. I hope you would not waste time now to try to get this right. I told this illustration before, but I need to tell it again. I was in San Antonio, Texas. Had a counseling center there. And uh, Carol and I did a lot of counseling. I received a phone call from a lady who lived out in East San Antonio, out near a place called Lavernia. And um, said, I need to see you. And she's crying on the phone. She says, I cannot make it another day. So she came over, Carol was there, she's in my office, and she is sobbing, just sobbing. And she said, two weeks ago, my, my husband and I had another major argument. I was so mad, I was so out of control, I was yelling at him as he was leaving the house to go to work. He got in his truck, and pickup truck, backed it out, headed down the road, and while he did, I realized that I can't, I can't let my husband do this. I needed to say one more thing to him. So I jumped in our car, jerked it out of our driveway, headed down the road in an old country road there in East San Antonio and we're going at it, I'm trying to catch up to him and he seems to be going faster. I'm catching up to him but I couldn't stop him, honking and honking and he's not stopping. And then I watched him go across a railroad track just as a freight train hit him and his truck exploded right before my eyes, he died instantly. And she's sobbing, saying, I I, I got so much guilt. I got so much guilt. Now, we helped her through that. There is a biblical way to do that. But for right now, I would like to speak to some of you that right now you have a broken relationship with someone. And I don't know when that relationship could come to such an end that you will never be able to put it back together again because of the demise of the other person. I pray that you realize there is nothing so big that you cannot make it right. And then secondly, you might be thinking that your mate could be in that truck, so to speak. Do you know that you could die before you make it right with that person? And if you die, you will stand before the Lord and have to give an account of what you did and how you handle it and why you waited and all the rest. Now, God is a very merciful God, but at the same time, we will reap what we sow. And so this message is for all of us. Me too. I, I've got relationships I want to heal in my life. And you've got them in your life. But as we work together on these six attitudes, somehow I, I believe with all my heart that if we work hard, that there could be peace with one another. Now, last thing, and I will close. Those of you who are guests here, some of you might be thinking, man, there must be divisions and all this kind of stuff going on in this church. uh uh-uh. This church has got a lot of harmony in it. Yeah, there's certain things people don't like about this or that and the other, but none of it is a deal breaker. None of it is, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm out of here. It's all like, I like pepperoni, this guy likes mushrooms on their pizza. It's, it's similar to that. And there's going to be differences, but that's what makes our church international. A kaleidoscope of different people. But when we do, because we are so different, we want to reduce any potential conflict. Do I hear an amen on that? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for what you've been teaching me in my life through this. And I know that you're going to be teaching this the rest of our life. And that's why Peter, more than once in the same book, would say, I put you in remembrance, implying that he's already taught him this. And now he has to teach him again and again. And sometimes we learn it, forget it, learn it, forget it, learn it, we got it. But the point is, we want to learn it. And so Lord, for those that are here today that um, are not absolutely certain of going to heaven when they die, that they would perhaps quietly think about these areas where they've missed. We can all do that. And now be grateful that you went to the cross to forgive us of those things because you so much want us to have a relationship with you. You don't want that broken eternal relationship. You want a healed eternal relationship. And so you've done your part. You did the hardest part. You died and paid for sin offering forgiveness and all we've got to do is come to you with with humility and say, Lord, we've blown it and we need you. And Lord, no matter how good we are, we'll never be good enough to get this. And so, Lord, we come to you by placing our faith in you, trusting you that you'll forgive us. And since you're a God who cannot lie, we know that our sins are forever forgiven once and for all. And we want to say thank you for allowing us to be in your forever family simply by grace alone. Would there be anyone here today that's ready now to come to the Lord and say, I don't want to put this off one moment longer. For friend, you can make all the relationships right with people on earth, but if it's not right with God, when you die, you will spend eternity separated from Him. And He's now offering you at this very moment an opportunity for you to make it right forever so you can have everlasting life. So would you call upon the Lord to be your Savior? Would you simply say, Lord, thank you for paying for my sins, and I'm trusting you to give to me eternal life. If you're doing that right now, I'd like to pray for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you'd like to let me know with an uplifted hand. Now don't feel obligated to do that. Maybe that's not your thing. That is okay. But for those of you that would like me to know, I want to give you that opportunity. Those of you that want to do it more privately, put it on the card. When you receive later on that card, you can drop it in and little plate will pass by, and let me know, and I'll do it privately. But is there anyone at this very moment you'd like for me to pray for you because you're trusting Christ as your Savior? Is there anyone at all? Would you slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. All right, now, for the rest of you, I am not going to ask you to raise your hand here because we're too small of a church for that. And I would be afraid that some of you might think that I would be thinking about you and a particular person. I want this to be done privately, but I I am going to pray for you Then you pray for me. But if you want to do this thing right before the Lord, is there anyone now that you need to begin to develop on all of these a lifestyle that you're going to go toward that other person with sympathy and really hear their heart? What makes them sing? What makes them cry? You're going to reaffirm your devotion to that person because God permitted you to be together. And until he until he until he separates that you'll be devoted to their well-being you'll be loyal i know it's going to take grace and power and then you're going to say lord i want to be compassionate but lord only you can heal me cuz this person has really hurt me but i know you're going to heal me so i can help that other person and how about humility maybe yours is the humbling part you've had a lot of pride don't look to how bad they hurt you. Look to how easy it is for the Lord to heal you. Humble yourself now. And by His grace, He will exalt you. Have you been showing more judgment than mercy? Or has your mercy about run out? I'm going to tell you that His mercy never runs out. So you have, in fathom amount of mercy to still bestow. Will you do that? And finally, would you ask the Lord to help you to grow in grace and the knowledge of Him? You do that. And now take the what you're doing and attach it to the when. Put a date on it. Put a time on it. Our Father, as a faith family, we love you dearly and we thank you for what you're teaching us. And some of these are the hard lessons and yet we are your spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we know what we've heard today is right. Just performing it is so difficult. And so, Lord, we know you said your burden is easy and your, and, and your, your burden is light and your yoke is easy. So we're going to go to you to help us to do this. We need your strength, your power. If we don't get it, it's not your fault. It's because we didn't go to you. And so, Lord, right now, We need you to help us. I thank you for this one who is more concerned about their relationship with you being in right harmony than ever before and they have trusted you as their Savior today and that, Father, they would read a Bible that's not to take away their fun but help them to relate better to you and with one another. That they would talk to you in prayer, a real communication experience. And, Father, that they would meet regularly with other believers to help them to grow in small groups or connection groups or here every Sunday. And then, Father, that they would tell someone else the beauty of knowing that their sins are forgiven. Father, thank you for what you're doing here. In Jesus' name, amen.